Well, as we get ready for the Christmas weekend, ho, 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 as I keep saying, we are here on the BetUS NFL show. I am just the somewhat capable host, TJ Reeves. You're here for the handicapping of Scott Kellen and Chris Farley. Boys, good to be back with you. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas as we get rolling uh, for this weekend. Uh, it is getting down to the nitty gritty with three weeks to go in the NFL, and we're here to go over all of it. Brother Kellen, how are we feeling heading into the big one? Hey, we are good, TJ. You've got your green shirt on, the Christmas tree. I love it. Uh, it's good, and the weather is heating up. Perfect time for Christmas and perfect time for a little bit of football this weekend as well. It's all great. Do I sense a little holiday sweater maybe from Chris Farley? Do you have a list? You're checking it twice, not just for the NFL, but for the Christmas uh, weekend here. How you doing? Yeah, I think my long list of things to do before the holidays is almost over, which is very exciting. It's just sit back, relax. Maybe drink a few things, eat a few things. Um, <laughs> I just I just have to comment, guys. Uh, this is going to be a crazy weather weekend. I don't know if you guys have this stat ready to pull out, so I'm just going to say it now. Since 2000, whenever there's uh, weather under 32 degrees, so freezing temperatures and wind over 15 miles an hour, games average 37.9 points per game. So expect some low scoring and some crazy weather this weekend. And there's going to be a ton of it, whether you're talking about uh, in the Northeast or even the freezing cold temperatures. I think I saw the Buffalo, the Buffalo Chicago game on Saturday afternoon, Christmas afternoon, the high, the high is like seven. And of course they're right there on the lakefront with the wind chill. It's going to be below zero probably for that game uh, with the wind chill, cold temperatures in new England, for example, cold temperature uh, tonight for the Thursday night game as we're live on Thursday at one o'clock for the jets and the Jaguars with the cold uh, moving in take, it all into account and that's what we're here for so we're going to get uh, opinions from these guys comments thoughts on all of the games official plays on a lot of them stand by for that thank you for finding us again we continue to grow in audience we've been doing that with your help if you're just jumping in here hit the like button hit the subscribe button the bet us nfl show comes your way every thursday one Eastern time. We're here one more time in the calendar year 2022. That's next week before New Year's. But we're here for the end of the regular season, the following week, and then even into the postseason. One Eastern time on Thursdays. You get us one time a week, and we make it count here on this program. So get in the live chat. Get some questions and answers going. And uh, we will get to some of those. You'll see them on the bottom of the screen as we go along with the different games that we're talking about. You're going to hear every game discussed right now here uh, in some detail on the BetUS NFL show. All right, with that said, let's take a look at the records. We've been doing well, in particular the last six weeks or so. The show continues to soar. Look at those handicapping records from both Scott and Chris above 500. Scott Kellen right now well above 500. And if you've been wagering with the show all year long, you are definitely in the plus category for how we have done. That is all in the past, gentlemen. We are only concerned with what happens from here on out, right? Starting with today, starting with tonight, starting with a full slate of Christmas Eve Saturday games. The NFL traditionally does this where they play a bunch of games on Christmas Eve if they can. It's the first time they're playing three games on Christmas Day. I'm involved in one of those traveling out to Arizona with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Man, you got football all weekend starting with tonight. Are you guys ready? You guys ready to roll the sleeves up? We ready to go? We're ready. We ready to I, I, think, I think they had a little bit more uh, anticipation of that Christmas Day uh, triple <laughs> header. But, hey, 
It's football nonetheless. Are you saying out of three games on Sunday and the Miami Dolphins being the only team with a winning record is not exactly what the NFL thought they had for Christmas Day? But that's how it works out. It's a crazy season. I mean, look at just one more time before we get to the games this week. Look at the finishes last week. Uh, I mean, the the Raider Patriot one is off the charts, goofball nuts. But look at the crazy comebacks by the Bengals against my Bucks, by the Jaguars against the Cowboys. Look at one ridiculous close finish, the amazing comeback on Saturday by the by the Minnesota Vikings. Any guys, Chris, anything can happen right now, and that's what the NFL wants. Uh, uh, absolutely, and uh, you know, all I'm thinking is, I think I'm going to annoy my family because I'm going to want to just watch football all weekend as usual. There. <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna have to compete for Christmas movies, football. I don't, I don't know. We're gonna have to. I guess I'll just have my laptop out the whole time. But yeah, I also feel bad for the. I feel bad for the NBA, which is usually Christmas is usually yeah. the NBA's day to be king. Good luck beating the NFL in ratings. <laughs> so it yeah, doesn't the happen. NFL has decided for this Sunday to play three games, and so everything else is going to probably lose out. All right, let's get into it. Are you ready? It begins on a Thursday at the Meadowlands at MetLife Stadium in a game that is very important for the New York Jets' wildcard playoff hopes. They were sitting pretty a couple of weeks ago, but now a couple of losses, including to Detroit last week, have them in jeopardy in the wildcard picture. So the Jets favored by one over that Jaguar team, as we mentioned, that rallied from 17 down and beat the Dallas Cowboys on the pick six in overtime. So Trevor Lawrence, who's a question mark uh, with a shoulder injury, I believe it is, uh, for this game. He's questionable to play for later tonight. Keep an eye on that. The total is 37 in this matchup. And let's get things underway uh, here for a Thursday. Scott Kellen, I'm going to come to you. Even if no official play from you, thoughts on this matchup where the Jets have to win at home on Thursday night? Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be a very interesting game to watch, TJ. And first of all, and we'll, we'll get to this later, but, you know, with everything happening with Ryan, and Ryan Tannehill of Tennessee, the Jags were already involved in this anyway to win the division if they could uh, win out and they get Tennessee last game of the season or whatnot. But man, uh, and I just saw today, they are, I haven't checked this, but I saw a headline saying they are the betting favorites now in the AFC South. So this is huge for Jacksonville, and we know it's huge for the Jets. And it it's a very interesting game to me because it's kind of a very similar game to what the Jets had last week. They, they played a Detroit team that's top 10 in offense and bottom 10 in defense. And here comes Jacksonville now, top 10 in offense, bottom 10 in defense. And it's a very similar uh, play. Um, and the line's about the same, give or take. Uh, I think the one thing that might be different for the Jets this week, they may get Quinn and Williams back, uh, their monster defensive tackle. They might get Corey Davis back, which would be uh, great for them. And for the Jacks, they, they lost their left tackle, Cam Robinson, last week. Now, he's, he's not great, but he's a body that's been in there forever. Um, so I think that could hurt them potentially a little bit. We know weather's going to be an issue. Uh, I kind of make the number basically where it's at. My total is probably a little bit higher than the current number, but if you adjust it for wind and rain, it, it basically gets us right back to kind of where we're at. So no play for me. Um, that was a close game last week, and, you know, I, I think Jacksonville is, a, is a, just a very similar team to uh, Detroit. I, I'll say the, the two last things I guess I'll say in this. Yes, Jacksonville came back last week, but they outgained Dallas 7.2 yards of play to 5.4 yards of play. And the other thing that caught my attention, just speaking about these defenses, is that Zach Wilson uh, averaged 7.4 yards a pass last week. That's a pretty telling statement, kind of just a reminder about that Detroit defense. Uh, and, you know, Jacksonville, I think, can can fall into the same breath a little bit as well. So uh, no play for me. The line's about right. Uh, just really intrigued to watch the game. 
It is going to be interesting. And Eli, we see you right there uh, saying, hey, thanks, guys, for helping me out. He says he made $1,200 last week. I don't know if you guys are going to get any residual on that. Uh, We like that. Just do so within your means, by the way, savages, peeps. We don't want to hear any horror stories about how you listen to the show and now you can't pay the mortgage. We don't want to do that. Uh, But in any event, thank you, Eli, for the kind words. Uh, there on that. Chris Farley, any thoughts here with Jacksonville coming on? As Scott laid out, the division is still in play here. Believe it or not, for them, Doug Peterson in his first year. I mean, this is this is where the the comeback win over the Ravens, the comeback win over the Chargers with the two-point play, those are vital now that they've beaten the Cowboys. They're still in the hunt, Jacksonville. Thoughts on this matchup with the Jets, real quick? Well, I'll say if you like the Jets in this matchup, which I do think the situation, the weather. You know, going to be a little sloppy there in East Rutherford. It does favor probably the Jets' defense, obviously the better unit in this game. And you get a better line here at BetUS at minus one. Some other books have this up to two and a half. Um, so, you know, you get some advantageous uh, line value there. But I, I, I do like the Jaguars as, as a teaser leg. You tease them up to seven or seven and a half. That's a good pairing with something else because this is probably going to be a really close game. You have a total of 37, right? When you tease up a team to seven, seven and a half, you almost have uh, 20% of the points in that game as it is, right? So your probabilities go up. Really tough game for me, though, my, uh, as far as the matchup goes. I don't want to play against the Jaguars right now. They have a lot of momentum. Uh, you know, they have a lot of confidence now coming into this game. But the Jets are equally desperate, right? I mean, the Jets pretty much have to win out to get their spot in the AFC playoffs. So, I mean, even motivation in this game, better defensive unit for the Jets is obvious, but better offense for the Jaguars and the Jets are going to have to play some conservative football because that's what you do with Zach Wilson behind center, right? It kind of takes away some of those longer air attacks. Uh, just looks like it's going to be a close, low scoring game as the lines indicate, but everything's a little too close for me to have a bet on it. So no play for me. All right. Again, they have turned back to Zach Wilson, who was pretty good in the game with the lines. They didn't pull it out. Uh, again, Mike White on a short week here has the rib and the uh, the abdominal situation uh, who would kind of spark this team. So no official play uh, here from the handicappers on this one, although the, the Jets, again, very much in the AFC wildcard picture in Tennessee trying to get in the fringe of the conversation or actually uh, Jacksonville trying to get in the fringe of the conversation chasing Tennessee for the AFC South. That's the matchup for Thursday night football. Let's continue. When last we saw... Our uh, previous two teams here, the Minnesota Vikings in game number two, came roaring from behind to beat the Indianapolis Colts. And they are obviously now clinched in the NFC North. We know that. We know the New York Giants, Chris Farley, got a much-needed win. Officiating aided or not, it goes as a W. Thank you very much, says Brian Dayball, says the Mara family. They'll take the win. Giants still in the hunt, believe it or not. Uh, not only for the wild card, but in the mix to maybe even move past the Dallas Cowboys, depending on what happens. All right, Giants at the Vikings. This is Christmas Eve afternoon, the bevy of Christmas Eve afternoon games. The Vikings a four-point favorite. The total is 48 in this one. And we'll go to Scott Kellen. You've got the official play to lead us off. What do you like, sir? We do. Uh, I'm going to take the Vikings here. Uh I've been on them in some fashion here, I think, over the last. This will be the fifth week in a row now. I had them against New England, against the Jets. Uh, they won, covered both those games. Stats weren't necessarily in their favor. Uh, had them as a teaser. I think Chris might have had them as a teaser against Detroit. We probably should have won that one. That was a little bit of a debacle. But uh, and then had them last week and obviously lost. And 
you know, I can't really. I was obviously it got to overtime. I was hoping for a touchdown and they win by six and I get the cover. Um, but last week, the other thing that was interesting with them, which was a, a kind of a, a change of pace for them, is they actually did dominate the stats in that game, despite being down 33 uh, nothing and whatnot. They outgained Indianapolis six yards of play to 4.3 yards of play, uh, 6.9 yards of pass to 4.7 yards of pass. And yeah, they were down 33 nothing. But uh, and I won't go through every episode here, but they basically Indianapolis basically picked up 20 points on block punts. The Vikings going for it on fourth down inside their own territory because they got a little desperate. A pick six. Uh, you know, they returned to opening kickoff to midfield, got in the field goal range, got a field goal. So, but at the end of the day, when you looked at those stats, the Vikings kind of dominated them uh, in every category other than running the ball because Indianapolis was very good defending the run. Now they're going to get a Giants team that, based on my metrics, is last in the league running the ball. So I think the Vikings will be able to run the ball here. And the Vikings are going to score points. They they just score points this year against any defense that's, you know, average to below average this year. They've scored at least 23. They're probably going to get at least 27. I did mention this last week, uh, chalk up a loss against the spread now. But Vikings now 6-3 and three against the spread in the last eight games as a home favorite. 8-1 and one to the over. And they've scored 27 or more in eight of those nine games. So they're probably getting to 27, I think, in this game. Can the Giants get there? I don't know. Um, it is the Vikings defense, so certainly the Giants can score some points. But I still think this is a limited offense. And they won that game last week, but the Giants got outgained in that game pretty badly. So, uh, And the Vikings are just a tough place to play. I'm on Minnesota. I lean to the over, but I've got a good situation on the under, so I'm not going to play anything there. Uh, but I am going to take the Vikings in this game. All right, and again, uh, Chris, I know you're a Giants guy. Brian Dable's got to be in the conversation right now for Coach of the Year. They keep finding a way to win. I know it was a controversial ending. I, I keep saying this and coming back to this. I know the officiating drives everybody crazy, but the commanders should have been out of the game, and you guys know this, because Taylor Heineke throws an interception right to a giant DB with a minute left in the game. The game is going to be over. They only have one timeout left. The Giants are going to kneel on the ball. The game's going to be over. So settle down about it's only the refs that cost the commanders the game at the very end. It's a dropped interception that only allowed that to happen. Farley, I'm like I'm like pleading your case here on the <laughs> Bet US NFL show. Nonetheless, thoughts on this game, uh, if no official play for you, Giants at Vikings. Yeah, I, I appreciate you pleading my case, TJ, because I've heard a lot about those commanders this week and some of those controversial calls at the end. Um, you know, competing narratives for me in this one. Uh, Vikings, last time they had a big emotional win like that, right, against the Bills in overtime. They come back and they get trounced 40-3 to against the Cowboys. Big emotional win last week in that game against the Colts. Biggest comeback in NFL history. And now they're back home again in a comfier spot. And it's just one of those situations where Brian Dayball checks out as one of those coaches. You know, we saw the Giants at the beginning of the year surprise a lot of other teams, how, how hard they played, how close they kept those games, and how many games they won. Now we're getting to the end of the season. Giants are starting to show that grit again. You have someone like Kayvon Thibodeau, who, who looks like he could be a legitimate star for the Giants. Vikings at least have to pay more attention to that side of the defensive line. Uh, you know, he, he's going to have to start garnering some respect. Maybe that creates some opportunities for the Giants' defense, which is certainly a try-hard, overachieving unit. That being said, as long as the Vikings' mentality is in place, I think they just have too much talent on the field to not run away with this game eventually. Giants are around plus three, plus three and a half in the first half, so maybe that's a line to look. Giants keep it close early in this one. Maybe Minnesota falls flat early, but 
a lot of things that Scott said is is true. You know, this isn't an explosive Giants offense, and if the Vikings can play ball control, really get that run game going, which we haven't seen too much for them this year, right? They don't really sustain their rushing attack, but I think that's a great thing to do against the Giants, who are not good against the run, over five yards per carry to their opponents. Uh, that's just going to put the Giants in a really difficult spot, right? That That's how you beat the Giants. You force Daniel Jones to throw the ball. He has no wide receivers. We just don't see consistency from the Vikings. So uh, no play for me on this one. I want to think the Giants can be feisty in this one, TJ, but we shall see. All right. No play from Chris. The official play is from Scott Kellen here. He's on the side. And that is the side of the Minnesota Vikings coming back home here where the Vikings are still obviously lurking here as the two seed in the playoffs. They're watching what Philadelphia does or doesn't do. Philadelphia can basically control their own destiny here with a couple more wins. They're going to be the number one seed and get the week off for the first week of the playoffs. Nonetheless, Scott likes the Vikings in this situation. Again, thank you for finding us live here on Thursday at 1 Eastern time. They want me to make mention. Let me back up one game to the Thursday night game for the Jacksonville Giants game. BetUS does have an odds boost offer that is going on right now. If you're looking at the Trevor Lawrence prop for 275 passing yards or more and two-plus passing touchdowns, it was th uh, plus 350. They've odds boosted it to plus 450. Will Trevor Lawrence get to 275 passing and two touchdowns against a good Jets defense? So they're enticing you at betus.com with the odds boost. It's now plus 450 on that. If you want to take the wager, want to take the flyer on that one for Thursday Night Football, we're just being in the holiday giving spirit here on BetUS with an odds boost. All right, let's continue on our discussion and, and on our conversation with another game on Christmas Eve after this one in Cleveland where the Saints play the Browns. The Browns have been better as of late, but the Browns are basically out of it here. Can't really get into the AFC uh, playoff picture, even though they have gotten uh, a couple of wins as of late. In fact, three wins in a row. The Saints, meanwhile, almost comically, when you see a 5-9 and nine team that is still alive to win the division, it is almost silly. They are still alive. The line is three for Cleveland. The total is 32.5 in this one. Chris Farley, where to you? Back to you for the official play on this matchup Christmas Eve afternoon uh, at the mistake by the lake in Cleveland. Yeah, this is a pure weather play for me, but I have to do it because it's situated with a team who's been through this many, many times the past few seasons. Um, I don't know what the exact stat is, but in short, no team has faced more high wind games than the Cleveland Browns. They're used to it, and I think they know how to manage it as well. And they certainly have the run game to be able to do that. Um, you know, the uh, Falcons ran all over the Saints last week, over 200 yards in that game. Certainly the Browns can, can sustain a rushing attack against that Saints defense too. But let's just talk about this weather because from a practical standpoint, it's going to be really, really tough for these two teams to move the ball down the field. We're talking about uh, sustained winds of 30 miles an hour, gusts over 60 miles an hour. That's like tropical storm type stuff. Uh, maybe some precipitation as well. Very, very cold. Just just awful weather right there in Cleveland. Uh, so, you know, what that means in the game, right, is these two teams are going to have to try to get as close to the end zone as possible to even have a shot at making a field goal. You know, uh, beyond the 20-yard line, maybe even the 15-yard line, is going to be really tough with that kind of gust. Two teams where their defenses are improving. We're seeing that from the Browns week to week. Still not a defense I trust in a normal situation against like a high-octane offense, but that's not the Saints. It's not the Browns either. You know, it's a lot of dink and dunk from 
Deshaun Watson. It's a lot of their run game. Same thing on the other side for the Saints. So I think this game does fall under. This feels like a 13-7 type situation, maybe at best. feels a lot like an Army-Navy game, if anything. And I think that's the kind of game it's going to end up being. So even though it's really low, it's really low for a reason. We haven't seen it move very much under 32.5 for me. Um, okay, uh, good stuff uh, here on this matchup for the weather. I can testify right here on the Bet US NFL show that in the game three weeks ago, where the weather was really nasty, raining uh, in the morning, it kind of cleared off, but then it got windy and rainy for the Cleveland Buccaneer fourth quarter and overtime. And I kept saying on our radio broadcast, with the way the wind was swirling inside of what do they call it now? First Energy Stadium, the new the new uh, sponsor name on the stadium, that I don't think the Browns were trusting kicking anything other than a point-blank field goal in the overtime, they were going to go ahead and try to get the touchdown, which yeah. they did. This could be a real factor, Scott Scott Kellen, on any deep balls, any kickoffs, punts, or field goals throughout this game with the weather like what Chris was uh, describing. We have an audience member that was also asking, Scott, for your thoughts here about Taysom Hill and is he maybe an X factor. Uh, Scott, any yeah. thoughts here if no official play on Saints and Browns real quick? Uh, my first thought, Chris, I hope you didn't jinx yourself there because wasn't the Army-Navy total about 32 <laughs> and then it went to overtime and you, know, you lost the game and stuff. So, yeah, just, good point. I, you know, I'm just saying I hope that doesn't come back to haunt you. Um, you know, a couple other things I was just looking up. I remember back in 2020, the COVID year, there was a couple games there. Houston, Cleveland played each other and Vegas came there. The Vegas won 16 to 6. Cleveland won 10 to 7 two weeks later. And I think the win's going to be worse than it was in those two games, and it was pretty bad then. So it's you know probably um, a, a little bit of a, a sign of things to come there. And you're right, TJ. They're not going to kick field goals. And I think I think you want to remember this for really cold games as well. Maybe not even necessarily win. They they said it in the Packer game, and I don't have any stat in this, but the Packer game on Monday night, they made some comment about only two field goals beyond 50 yards had been kicked at Lambeau when the temperature was I don't know 25 or less or something, right? And you, you got to remember, yeah, when you're dealing with 10, 15, 20 degrees, that ball's probably not going as far. So you're just not going to get those field goal attempts uh, as well. So that'll all lead to that as well. For the game, for me, um, I'm kind of waiting on some injury information here. Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry both did not practice. Olave's got a hamstring. Larvey, Landry, I think, practiced Tuesday, but then didn't practice yesterday. Both those guys could be out. Now, Pete Werner, who came back, they're a really good linebacker for him, came back last week. Uh, he's got a hamstring. He may not go. Brown's got some injury situations as well, but I think Chubb practiced today. Uh, Garrett came back. They'll probably not have Clowney, but John Johnson, their safety came back. So I think they're in good shape there. If all those guys come back and Saints don't have Olave and company, um, I may end up actually taking a flyer on Cleveland here because I think there's some value with Cleveland uh, in, in, in doing that. And I had the Saints last week, and you know they, they kind of dominated that game. Uh, Led that game by, you know, 14, 10 points most of the way. Ended up winning by three, so I got backdoored on it. But the one thing I took from that is Atlanta rushed the ball pretty well on the Saints last week. Uh, and Cleveland could do the same thing here. And obviously, the the, the ability to run the ball is what you're going to have to do in these kind of win-type uh, games. So I think there might be some value on Cleveland here. No play for me yet. I just want to see how the injury situation plays out. Um, and, but I'm, I may be in on Cleveland if uh, we get the right players playing. Falcons, to your point, had 220 yards rushing on the Saints last week. Uh, and now this is outside. You know, Usually they're a dome team and a really good dome team and not as good outside. Let's see if that will be the case. Chris Farley is thinking bad conditions, not the best of offenses to begin with. 
Let's stay under. Let's stay under the total. We will lock him in officially here at under 32 and a half for the BetUS NFL show. All right, we continue on. We move on for these Christmas Eve Saturday afternoon games. That includes simultaneous to the Saints and the Browns. The NFC South also has interest in Carolina at 1 Eastern time hosting the Detroit Lions. The Lions off that win in New York where they held off the Jets on the missed field goal at the end. Did we think we were going to be uttering, Chris and Scott, Detroit Lions have won six of their last seven games at any point this season? Yet that's what we're saying. It is the case. They are laying three, are the Lions. The total is 43 and a half. Detroit very much in the picture here uh, in the NFC wildcard race because they've gotten to seven wins right now. Uh, Scott Kellen, all right, uh, thoughts and an official play on Lions-Panthers, please. Yeah, I'm going to take the um, uh, the Panthers in a teaser up to nine points. Uh, might be two and a half at some places, three at uh, BetUS, which is great. Uh, so eight and a half, nine points. So officially be nine points here. Uh, this is, you know, it's it's kind of a long teaser, if you will. Low total, which have been very good this year, teasing across the three and the seven. We're obviously getting that here as well. Uh, and I don't want to say that the, uh, the, the arrow has shifted a little bit too far for Detroit now because they're playing really well. But this is still a Detroit defense and a bad defense that I mentioned earlier gave up 7.4 yards of pass to Zach Wilson last week. And I don't know if Zach Wilson's done that at all this year uh, for the most part. Um, So in Carolina has kind of found their identity. We spoke about that a little bit last week when Steve Wilkes came in. They're running the ball a lot, um, you know, 46 times, I think, each of the last two games prior to last week's game. Now, they ran into Pittsburgh last week, which really kind of stifled their, their run a little bit. And, and Pittsburgh kind of dominated that game for the most part and ended up winning that game by eight. But I think Carolina is going to be able to move the ball a little bit here. Since Wilkes got there and they've played a below average defense, they've scored 34 against Atlanta, 25 against Atlanta, 30 against Seattle. Uh, those are all below average defenses. They're two and one straight up in those games. The only loss is by three points. Uh, and as a whole, they're four and one straight up and against the spread as a home dog this year. Four and one of the under for whatever that's worth for anyone that cares about that. But against rush defenses that are not in the top 10 in the league, which Detroit is not, since Wilkes took over, they're averaging 196 yards a game on the ground. So I think they'll shorten the game here, be able to run the ball. Detroit's going to do what they do. Now Carolina's defense is good. It's not as good as the Jets, clearly. Um, And Detroit will do what they do as well. But Detroit is not winning games, a lot of games by margin. And they've only played two teams below 500 this year. Green Bay, they defeated by six. And Chicago by one. I think it's a close game. Uh, Carolina wants to shorten this game. They should be able to do that and run the ball. Uh, I'll take them in a teaser, uh, just a standard Wong teaser, and I think it's a good value play for us. All right. Uh, As the uh, audience member there was saying, Deonta Foreman has run it well for them. He and Chuba Hubbard since they got rid of Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Chris Farley, just a quick thought. Is Steve Wilkes maybe solidifying himself, the interim coach, to maybe get this job with how hard they've played? I know Pittsburgh beat him a week ago, but two weeks ago they went to Seattle and won. They're hanging in in the fringe of of the NFC South picture. They've won four games for Wilkes to this point. Any thoughts here? Uh, if no official play, not only on Wilkes, but on this matchup. I, I certainly think Wilkes deserves to at least be considered for the job. Definitely seemed like there was a turnaround and just the effort from the Carolina Panthers in general after uh, Matt Rule left. And, you know, we saw Christian McCaffrey leave too, right? And now all of a sudden they're a better rushing offense. So it's really interesting. Um, a lot of what 
Scott said is the reason why I'm off this bet because I found myself wanting to bet on the Detroit Lions because I want the Detroit Lions to make the playoffs. They're an exciting team right now. A lot of momentum, a lot of confidence, and there's something to that, right? When you as a cohesive unit keep on winning, keep on proving yourself uh, to yourself that you can do really well in these really tough situations, you know, then you just have more unity on the team. Uh, it just it usually ends up in better results. The problem is, just like what Scott said, when the Panthers have faced uh, mediocre or just average defenses, their run game has been really, really good, right? So now this is a situation where the Panthers, who are at home, probably a little bit of crappy weather in this, not quite like we saw in the other games, but it's just one of those gritty, dirty games where they can keep it on the ground, control the ball, and possibly keep Detroit at a distance all games. It's, just a, it's a dangerous game for the Lions, I think more dangerous than a lot of people think. Um, so I have a slight lean on Carolina, especially at this number of three. I think the teaser is a good idea, too. This is going to be a close game, and I think Detroit's going to have to be a little lucky to get out of this one as the victor because the Carolina Panthers, you know, that's another thing that makes this week so hard is not only is the weather involved, but all, all these teams are very evenly motivated trying to make the playoffs, right? So they're going to fight really hard in this one as well. All right. Uh, again, Jared Goff, we keep saying this on the BetUS NFL show. Jared Goff has playoff experience, playoff winning experience, did play in a Super Bowl, and that is important in the stretch run like this where they can look to him. Will he play like a playoff caliber quarterback? He has really in December right now. Does it continue in Carolina? We'll see. Again, it's part of a two-team tease here for Scott Kellen that he is on the side here teasing the Carolina Panthers up to nine points. We'll find out the second part of that tease later on in the show. Again, thank you for finding us. I see the live audience growing. It continues to swell. Thank you for finding us. We're live at 1 Eastern time on Thursdays. You may see us later on Thursday or as the weekend unfolds, but be here live for the interaction, et cetera, at 1 Eastern time. We are back next Thursday before New Year's weekend and all the way through into the postseason. You'll find us Thursday, 1 Eastern time. Make it a point to be here. Hit the like button down below, by the way. Make sure you're subscribing. Share the show out. We love all of those things on BetUS TV. Next game up is the New England Patriots. And the Cincinnati Bengals, okay? I saw the Bengals firsthand last week in Tampa come from behind. How much of it was the Bucks giving it away? I think a lot. Some of it, though, is Joe Burrow taking advantage of it with four second-half touchdown passes. Now the Bengals favored in New England by three-and-a-half. Do we have an explanation, the total 41-and-a-half, as we come back on camera before the official play? Do we still do we have an explanation on what that was at the end of regulation last week let me say again, at the end of regulation, with overtime still looming, and the Patriots are playing as if the game is over if they don't get a touchdown on that final play, Scott Kellen, what, I mean, just a quick comment. What was that at the end of regulation, if I haven't emphasized it enough, to give the game away, which could cost New England at the end of the season here, being a wildcard team? Uh, it was incredible. I mean, first of all, I was texting my buddy. I said I was give, kind of giving him – uh, a little crap. I said, your Raiders and your Chargers are about to go to overtime. Both games were inside of a minute, and neither game went to overtime, right? Uh, and I don't know how you can explain it, right? I mean, and, and the one thing, and my buddy and I were texting, and we've talked about this for a few weeks now, this New England team just is is a very un-Belichick-like team. And I think what the, uh, the color guy, maybe for New England, the radio announcer said, this is the stupidest team he's ever seen. And you know, and we've seen this a lot in, in, in different games this year. It's just, I don't know what it is. 
I have no idea. I mean, they're going to overtime, right? It's like, <laughs> right. it's just crazy, crazy. It's almost like they lost track of it. And you're mentioning Scott Zolak, I believe, the radio analyst, yeah. the former quarterback. He's never one to hold back on opinions, but there's been a lot to be critical of. Um, Here, right, here's, so, by the way, so CJ. Give me a couple thoughts. Give me a couple thoughts. It's, it's, sorry to interrupt you on this, but this is how crazy it is. We we all watch games. We've been in a bunch of games. I've done this forever. I sit on my couch. I watch the games. I don't, I don't get too excited to, you know, when that happened, when he threw that ball and Chandler Jones picked it up, I jumped off off, off my couch and just said, holy, you know what, right? And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my God. It was, you know, that surprising. But You were voicing uh, all of America that was watching that play with holy yeah, you know what. I agree. Like, uh, unbelievable. Um, I kind of like Cincinnati in this game, uh, waiting a little bit of injury information. Cincinnati did not have Trey Hendrickson last week. I think he's going to go this week, one of their edge rushers. And then they lost Sam Hubbard in that game. Uh, who's their other edge rusher, who's very good. Mike Hilton got hurt. I think Hilton's going to go as well. I think they're going to get Hayden Hurst back at tight end. Uh, so if they can get all that uh, short of Hubbard, I see a little bit of value here on Cincinnati. Yeah, I worry a little bit. You know, New England hasn't been home in, I think, two or three weeks. So, you know, we've seen a New England team not at home and, and all that. But uh, I, I just think this Cincinnati team, they, and by the way, Cincinnati got dominated in those stats last week. They were bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they had all those short fields that, to get all those points. Um, but I just think, I don't know how New England's going to score a ton of points here. They just don't score points. And against good defenses, top 10 in Cincinnati's not quite there. I've got them, I think, about 14th. Um, they have just really struggled to score points. And I don't know how Cincinnati, and this New England defense is good. I still don't know how the Cincinnati defense, just the team that they are, doesn't score 23, 27 points. And you know, to me, that that that's enough. I, I think to to beat New England, unfortunately. So I have a pretty decent lean here, and I, I may get involved at three and a half or less um, on Cincinnati once we get confirmations on some of the injuries. Chris Farley, thoughts here with New England trying to hang in to the AFC playoff picture. The Bengals are in great shape in the AFC North right now. Any thoughts? If no official play, it is going to be cold. It's Belichick as a home underdog. Thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, first of all, that Raiders-Patriots game last week, um, I had it on my laptop because football was on all day. My wife was sick of it. I think we had, like, Bravo on TV or something. And I, I, I you know, all, yeah, I, I audibly gasped, right, because that's that one of the craziest things I've ever seen. And that stiff arm or whatever that was from Chandler Jones and Mac Jones, that's almost equivalent to the butt fumble. I mean, that is one of the more embarrassing things I've ever seen by a quarterback attempting to tackle somebody like Chandler Jones. But anyway... Uh, another really tough game. I promise I'm going to have more picks on the second half of the show, including with this next game. But it's really tough because of this. The Cincinnati Bengals were embarrassed on Halloween, right, against the Browns. And what did they do? Like a championship team, they responded. They've won six straight games and three games that were on the road. They, they were down in every single one of those games early, came roaring back to win every single one of those games. I saw Vincent, one of our audience members saying maybe take Cincinnati in the second half. I think that's probably a good idea if they start slow. It's really tough to bet against the Bengals right now and just how they come together as a team. They're a very young team, but they don't seem that way. They seem like they're going to be a perennial title contender. And on the other hand, you have angry Bill Belichick, who now has the challenge of stopping Joe Burrow in front of him, and they're finally back at home. There's going to be some weather there as well, right? So that's typically not a situation that we want to bet against Bill Belichick. But, it, but again, it's going to come down to that Patriots offense against Cincinnati's defense and which 
unit do I trust more by far? Cincinnati. It's just the spot and everything, how great Cincinnati has been responding. I'm going to play off of this one. But that's that's pretty hard for me because I want to play the Bengals here. They have been phenomenal. Well, they were great when they had to be. But again, uh, when are you ever going to see Tom Brady turn the ball over four times in 11 plays? That is what happened in the third and early fourth quarter last week. Four turnovers in 11 plays, and the Bengals took advantage of it with touchdowns. They were short fields. Now New England at home with Cincinnati, back-to-back road games for the Bengals. Let's see what happens in that one on Saturday afternoon uh, for that matchup. All right, no official play in that one. Let's move on to one that will have an official play. This is the Buffalo Bills. This is the Chicago Bears. I mentioned it's sub-zero uh, with the wind chill probably in Chicago for this daytime game Saturday. Buffalo's got to get out of Buffalo. As we do this show live on Thursday, they're contemplating whether they're leaving now before the snowstorm uh, were to start uh, instead of leaving on Friday for a Saturday game. The Bills favored by nine. The total is 40. We know that Chicago covered last week at home in this situation with the Philadelphia Eagles. Chris Farley, I am to you uh, a thought and an official play here on the Bills at the Bears. Yeah, I have to play on the Bears plus nine on this one for a few different reasons. Uh, first of all, the Bills are in the exact same spot that we saw um, the uh, Eagles be in last week against the very same Bears, right? Eagles have a look-ahead game this week against the Cowboys. Bills have a look-ahead road game against the Bengals next week. Now, the Bills, you know, we got to give them so much credit. Uh, they're the top seed in the AFC. They've had some crazy scheduling spots, including this game. So I'm sure they'll handle their business, but you're you're playing a Chicago Bears team that's playing with house money, right? Like they they have nothing to lose in this game. We saw them playing very well in, in the trenches last week against arguably the best trench team in the NFL and the Philadelphia Eagles. And Justin Fields keeps his team in games, right? He just he just does. Uh, just like Josh Allen, uh, just like some of these mobile superstar quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson, he has a way of getting. Um, into the secondary, breaking loose and making plays. And it's just something that we've come to trust with Justin Fields game to game. Buffalo, I think, is going to treat this game as, you know, you button up, you don't make, make, make any mistakes, you get a win and you get out of dodge as you, you know, hope to beat the Bengals next week in a really tough spot as they hope to defend their number one seed in the AFC. But situationally, I, I love this play for the Bears. Obviously, there's a, a, a huge disparity in talent here. But that was the same thing for the Bears last week against the Eagles. It was really the same thing for the Bears against the Packers. That was a, a very lucky, fortunate cover for the Packers at the end of that game and that run play. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to keep on playing on the Bears as long as it treats me well. It treats my bankroll well. Uh, Bears plus nine. Let's do it again. Yeah, and you got to give credit again uh, to Chicago for being able to hang tough. Buffalo has had trouble putting this uh, putting away teams with a big number. They did win the game against Miami, Scott Kellen, as we come to you. However, they had to rally to do it to get the game tied, and then with the snow falling, get the last-second field goal. That's helping them out in the division. But as you see right here, we were talking about on our brother's show, the Three Dog Thursday show on BetUS TV, Buffalo's last six games where they're favored at least by six and a half. This is all recent sample this year. They haven't covered any of them. Let me say again, they haven't covered any of them. And you're getting nine or nine and a half with the Bears. Scott Kellen, thoughts on that and anything else if no official play here? Yeah, I mean, if, if I did anything with Buffalo, I'd probably do the same thing I did with Philadelphia last week, which was tease them down, uh, you know, for all the reasons that you guys have mentioned. And can, let's remember, if the weather becomes a, a factor here, and it's probably going to be, um, 
you know, one of the big advantages that the Bills would have in this game, and just a, let's call it a neutral site with no weather elements, is they could throw all over the Bears. And the Bears' passing game is awful. They can't protect. I think they got sacked six times maybe last week or something. Uh, you know, they're, they're just awful. Um, but that some of that's going to get negated here, and it's not even going to be a factor. Uh, you know, this is going to turn into more of a running game. And, you know, Justin Fields is just – it's just incredible the way he breaks out of those tackles and, and, and next thing you know, he's got 22 yards or something. So, um, you know, that, that does bring this all back a little bit closer. Uh, and it's, you know, probably part of the reason this line has come down a little bit, uh, as well. So <clears throat> if I did anything, I, I would tease the bills. Um, you know, the, the one, two things I'd be concerned about with the bears, uh, just in general, again, I don't think getting nine points is that is bad at all. Um, they've got a couple offensive line injuries, uh, and one of their one of their good run blockers is is questionable going into this game. So uh, that could be a factor. They got two two guys really that are banged up, uh, and then uh, when they have stepped up against some of these better teams this year, they haven't always performed well. But hey, there they were last week, and they lost by five. And you know this team's not going to quit. That's for sure. And, and they do have some injuries at the wide receiver position. But again, I don't know how much the uh, receiver position is really going to be a factor in this game. Uh, if it gets really, really windy. And uh, I saw someone say they like the over in the game, obviously a lot of wind and whatnot. Um, and so you got to factor all that in, of course. But sometimes, you know, that like that Miami-Buffalo game last week, I thought they adjusted that line too far down. And then the weather really never came, right? So pay attention to the weather. You know, who knows what will happen in this one. But, you know, I've got this number at about 48 and just a normal weather uh, game. Uh, but I think it's reasonable to adjust it by about six points or so if it's really high winds. But Pay attention to that stuff. Uh, you might you might find yourself with a low total. You can go over if the wind if the weather doesn't quite play out like they're uh, projecting. And again, it's supposed to be single digits without the wind chill Saturday afternoon in Chicago. Let's see. Chris Farley has the official play on this one. Let's lock him in. It is on the Bears. He's taking those nine points in the matchup with Buffalo for them to be able to hang in. We keep rocking along on this Thursday. Let's keep going. Uh, again, as uh, Scott has alluded to, we have an injury situation for Tennessee at quarterback. It looks like Malik Willis, the backup, is going to be in there. The Houston Texans have been floundering. They have one win all year. Tennessee, though, with Jacksonville coming on, trying to win the AFC South. The Titans are three-point favorites at home. Turn around and hand the ball to Derrick Henry. It's not that complicated. The total is 35-and-a-half in this matchup. Uh, let's get thoughts. If no official play, Chris Farley, I'm right back to you. Give me a quick thought or two here on Titans without Tannehill against the Texans. Yeah, this is an ugly game, but exactly what you said, TJ, just give Derrick Henry the ball. Um, you know, that Tennessee offensive line has not been as good as it has in the past. That's for sure. I don't think it's a drop off from Derrick Henry or anything. There's just not as many holes, not as many openings as you usually see for him. But this Houston, Texas team is about as bad as the New York Giants are against the run, which means they're very bad. They've been averaging, allowing teams over five yards per carry almost all season. Um, This is a setup in December again where King Henry usually takes over. We saw that Tennessee defense really keeping them in the game last week against the Chargers too. Interception after interception against one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So they really stepped up. Uh, I think the defensive line could be getting some guys back this week too, so healthier than usual. Uh, so, you know, they're going to have to win through their defense. They're going to have to win through Derrick Henry, and I think that they probably will. But this line should be close for a reason, right? It it really limits this team when they have Malik Willis back there. He obviously has the mobility component, but the downfield component pretty much goes away. And the Texans have been pretty 
interesting recently, right? Really fighting hard against some good teams, uh, against against the Cowboys and the Chiefs last week. Really, the Chiefs were kind of lucky to win that game at the end. So uh, Texans have been playing better. No bet for me. Tough game, ugly game all around. To his point, Scott Kellen, the Texans had had Dallas on the ropes, leading the game all the way into the final minute before the Cowboys pulled it out. They're leading in the fourth quarter at home with Kansas City, only to allow Mahomes to work his magic enough to get the game into overtime and win it. Do we read very much into that with them now on the road uh, at Tennessee here? Scott, any quick thoughts if no play? Um. Yeah, they've been playing tough. And, you know, they, where this is, gets a little – first of all, I make the number about three, three and a half when you factor in all these injuries. And there are a ton of injuries on both sides in this game. Um, but, you know, against Kansas City, getting whatever they were getting, 14 points against Dallas. I forget what they were getting, but it was a lot of points in that. They now were you're getting, getting three 18 points, right? against the Cowboys. 18 yeah. against the Cowboys. Yeah, <laughs> so now you're getting three. There's not a lot of room for error here, right? Um the other thing, though, we've seen this game already with Malik Willis. We saw this. This was Malik Willis's first game against Houston. They won that game 17-10. Um, I had Houston in a teaser. Very, very fortunate. They were down 17-3. Got a garbage touchdown at the very end. But let's look at the stats here. Uh, Titans outgained Houston 6.1 yards of play to 3.2 yards of play. Outrushed them 7 yards of play uh, You know, per rush, to, to Chris's point to 2.4 yards per rush. Um, Houston outpassed Tennessee 3.6 yards a pass to 3.1 yards a pass. Another way of saying both teams were brutal throwing the ball as well. So Tennessee should be able to run the ball. But here's where I would get concerned. It's obviously Malik Willis. Nate Davis, uh, their guard, has not practiced. Ben Jones, concussion, has not practiced. Uh, Aaron Brewer, Brewer, limited. He's probably going to play. They're down a whole bunch of offensive linemen. I do think they'll get Traylon Burks back. Um, uh, looks like they're going to get Denico Altry back, which Chris kind of alluded to on the defensive line, which is big. But they're missing guys in the secondary. This is a shell uh, of what this team was at the beginning of the year and maybe even a few weeks ago when they played Houston. The line's about right, but I would just be very, very careful with Tennessee. Only good thing, I've got Tennessee under nine wins. This, this thing looked completely dead four weeks ago. And now it's got legs, so, um, you know, it's a little bit of interest for me from that standpoint. So he's got a slight route here for the Houston Texans to keep the Titan win total down. No official play from the guys in this matchup in the AFC South here for Tennessee late in the year. Got to try to get it done without Ryan Tannehill. All right, let's move on uh, here as we continue through every game. The Chiefs, speaking of that win in overtime, they are back home now to play the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks, who once... Uh, we're in great shape to maybe win the NFC West and certainly be in the playoffs. Have now seen the division go away. We talked a week ago about them playing Thursday night football. They lost the game to the 49ers. The 49ers clinched the division. Well, now the Seahawks are, are trying to scratch and stay in the NFC playoff picture. They are 10.5-point underdogs at Kansas City. The total is 49 in this one. Um, all right, Chris Farley, I'm to you. What's the official play here on Mahomes and the Chiefs at home? Mahomes and the Chiefs still chasing the possible number one seed maybe in the AFC, playing Seattle. Any thoughts here? Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty straightforward thing for me. I have this game a six and a half, seven in favor of Kansas City. And I, while I think that the Chiefs are a much better team than the Seahawks and they're finally back at home, uh, they've shown a lot of struggles with 
closing out these games, especially by distance, right? It's just not what the Chiefs are doing this year. We saw one time impressively against the 49ers on the road, and that was a fantastic response spot after losing to the Bills. Uh, but because they're squeaking away with these wins, I, ju- I just I don't know if this necessarily sets up phenomenally well for them. They're finally back at home. That's a good thing. But you talk about desperate, right? The Seattle Seahawks now off a few losses. They are thinking about this game like they have to go in there and win. And whenever you have a team that's thinking that it's plus 10 and a half, and they probably don't think that they're the inferior team, even though they would be wrong in that aspect. Uh, I think they're at least going to try really hard and keep this game close. I also like it from a matchup perspective, right? You can run all over Seattle. We've seen that in recent weeks. The Chiefs are not a run-first operation. Maybe they utilize that, but I'm, I'm a little skeptical about their run blocking, too. It just hasn't been as consistent this year. Uh, you know, they haven't seen a ton of big gains. So I think Seattle can keep this one, again, close to the vest. Geno Smith can have some success. We've had quarterbacks, and we've seen quarterbacks like Davis Mills throw all over that Kansas City secondary, right? It's not, it's not what it used to be. So Seattle can have some offensive success in this one as long as they avoid a few egregious mistakes. This one is probably going to stay within 10 points. So you give me 10 and a half at BetUS, which is a really nice line. I will take it. All right. Interesting here for the Seahawks. And you see this again. We were talking about this on uh, Three Dog Thursday. Seattle is 0-5 ATS in their last five games. However, the Chiefs, something's got to give here. The Chiefs are 0-3 in December, all as favorites, and they're giving 10 and a half points in this one. Uh, very interesting. Scott Kellen, any thoughts here? Has midnight struck on Geno Smith a little bit, too, with the with the bad throws, with not being able to get them in the end zone? Uh, Mahomes and company highly motivated at home, trying to trying to chase the AFC number one seed. Any thoughts here, Scott? I saw a stat earlier tonight. I have not double-checked this, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be close to what I say. Uh, something to the effect where Kansas City in their last 13 games is 10-3 and three straight up, but like two 10-1 against the spread which just kind of reflects, you know, everything they're doing. They're being asked to lay a whole bunch of points, and, you know, they're just simply not not covering that number. So kind of plays into everything, you know, Chris is talking about. Um, you know, one of the uh, viewers there had, uh, you know, met, made the mention that the half point is very important. Obviously it is. Uh, Ten and a half is great. Uh, and Chris was, you know, commenting before the show, you know, if you play dogs, you can get some pretty nice numbers here at Bet, Bet US as well. So, uh, you know, just keep that in mind when you're on a dog as well. I don't really have a play here. Uh, I do have a lean to the over a little bit, but it's going to be like 18 degrees. So that worries me a little bit. Um, And I make the number kind of where it's at. And, you know, there will be no Tyler Lockett. I'm pretty sure of that for Seattle. So that, you know, that's a little worrisome. Mm -hmm. I think Walker will go as as a running back, but um, they are going to be missing one of their key receivers. But, you know, somehow, some way, Kansas City just imagine, you know, finds a way to keep everybody in the game and, and Seattle can move the ball here a little bit. So they've struggled. Their offense has really struggled against the really good defenses, but you take away the the really good defenses, the San Francisco's, the Tampa Bay's, you know, they, they've moved the ball pretty well. We'll see, you know, what that means without Lockett, but um, you know, it's a, it's a big number. Uh, I would not be surprised if Seattle comes in under the, under the number. Chris Farley, any quick thoughts here? If no official play uh, on this one. Oh, I already had Seahawks plus 10 and a half. My, ba- my bad. I'm sorry. I lost track there. You already did that. He was just seeing so if he we- wanted to change it. No change on that. And we do need to lock him in officially because he did give us an elaborate reason why he likes Seattle in this particular spot uh, here. Uh, so before we move on, let's put him Seattle plus 10 and a half. And that half point may be a big deal. 
And again, Kenneth Walker is questionable. Tyler Lockett is already ruled out, Scott, to your point for this game uh, because of injury. Will that make a difference? Chris is undaunted. Forgive me, Brother Farley. You are taking the Seahawks, and you did have that for us uh, on that. All right, let's move on. We're halfway home here, folks. We're going through every game. Again, if you're joining us in progress, you see the slate of the games that we've already covered. We go through every game. We're here once a week. We go through every game. Thursdays at 1 Eastern time. Even if the guys don't have official plays on them, you at least get discussion on them. Back to the NFC South mayhem. And by the way, all these games that we're talking about right now are all on at 1 Eastern time, Saturday of Christmas Eve afternoon. Adjust your time zone accordingly. There are only a couple of later games and one night game. So there's a barrage at 1 o'clock Saturday. That includes the Falcons and the Ravens, where the Ravens are laying seven in this matchup. The total is 35 and a half. Uh, here. Uh, by the way, we do have confirmation, Scott and Chris. John Harbaugh, the Ravens coach, has announced while our show is going on, Lamar Jackson out again for the third consecutive week. It will be Huntley, the backup quarterback, quarterbacking against the Falcons. Ravens still chasing the Bengals in the north in the AFC. The Falcons don't laugh with five wins, are still alive for the moment in the NFC South as the road team. Um, uh, Chris, uh, let's go to you first for a thought or two on this in Baltimore, Christmas Eve, one o'clock with the Ravens again, going with Huntley instead of Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I think the Ravens still make a really good teaser leg here. Obviously you would want Lamar Jackson, right? We saw three points from the Ravens last week and just a very unimpressive showing from them against the Browns. Uh, but I think that's going to be motivation enough, right? I mean, they lost the top spot in the AFC North because of it as the Bengals keep on winning. Now they're back at home, and this is a much tougher spot for Desmond Ritter, rookie quarterback, second start, going against the Ravens in Baltimore, and you know probably a pretty angry team, right? Um, and the good thing is, even though the Falcons ran the ball really well last week, they've been a good rushing team. The Ravens have been considerably better against the run. Last week, Nick Chubb got his, but I think for the most part, we're gonna see the Ravens perform much better in that category. Um, the fact that the line hasn't moved a lot just yet, I mean, I guess TBD on that one, we'll probably see it It'll probably move a little bit. Uh, but this is a Ravens team that needs to win, period. You know, they need to win to uh, still competing in the AFC North standings. And I think they probably need to win because they would be in danger of really dropping down the playoff rankings eventually if that should continue to happen. So it's all a motivational angle for me if you want to bet on the Ravens. A minus seven, that's probably a little too much. But like I said, I'd wait because this line is probably going to go down. A little bit of weather, a little bit of wind in this one, too, but nothing like the Cleveland game. And, uh, you know, so I don't think it's going to slow down the Ravens' offense necessarily. All right. Scott Kellen, a thought or two here. Again, no Lamar Jackson. To the point about the line movement, it had been pretty well believed Lamar was not going to play. He hasn't been practicing. Do we think, Scott, that it might move a point or two now that it's official that he's not playing, or it's probably going to hover right around where it is, seven, seven and a half? Any thoughts? Uh, well, I'm just looking at it. It's it's down six and a half in a lot of places right now. Uh, so it has moved here maybe in the last half hour or so. So uh, to you guys' point, it's coming down a little bit. Uh, and it's to me, it's going to be a tight game. Here's why I think so. Um, first of all, Tyler Huntley has, has started like six games, and they've averaged 16 points a game in those games that he's played. So, you know, it, it was a very frustrating game last week. Killed our teaser. Uh, I think, Chris, you were on that same teaser. And um, you know, missing the field goals and whatnot, and just the opportunities. But they're obviously not scoring a ton of points. Um, 
with him in, in, in the starting lineup. And then we look at Atlanta. Ken, I mentioned this last week. I've mentioned it a few times. When Atlanta has played a top-half defense, and by the way, Atlanta we know wants to run the ball. I got a metrically uh, fourth-best rushing game, but they're going to go up against the Ravens' fourth-best rush defense. So, uh, you know, something we'll have to give there. But when they have played a top-half defense, and they're, they're going to get that with the Ravens. Now, you know, caveat, Ravens, Kalis, uh Campbell, and uh, Marquise Peters probably going to be out, uh, which, you know, doesn't help them, obviously. But they're not scoring points, basically, is, is the gist of my message here. When they're playing good defenses on the road, uh, they basically scored 15, 17, 15, 13, 18 last week. Uh, so they're not scoring points, and they do tend to give up 20 or more points in, in most games. So, um now, you know, what can Huntley get from Baltimore's standpoint? Because, again, he's averaging 16 points. But um, I think Baltimore has a better chance to get to 20 than Atlanta. And if you're teasing a six and a half or something down, that's probably a pretty good spot uh, for Baltimore as well. I, I don't have any value on the under, but just kind of what I laid out. If Huntley's averaging 16, Atlanta's not getting more than 16, you know, it might be pretty hard to get over 35, 36 points as well. Fair enough. And again, Atlanta playing simultaneous to Carolina and New Orleans all at one o'clock Christmas Eve, all need to win. And they need to have Tampa Bay lose on Sunday night to then open the door for a really wild final two weeks in the NFC South. Uh, Chris Farley, any quick thoughts here on Baltimore and the Atlanta Falcons going with Ritter, the backup rookie quarterback? You did that to me twice, TJ. I already gave my thoughts, but, but yes. I think I think I I'm looking. I'm looking down at the list at who has what, and forgive me, but yes, uh, once again for the Baltimore Ravens, they can still catch the Cincinnati Bengals. So just one more time, Chris. I know you're in the Baltimore area. They hope to get Lamar back, whether they need Mr. Miyagi with like rubbing the hands and putting them on the leg of Lamar Jackson like the Karate Kid or whatever they have to do. If they can get that knee healed up. Sneak out a win here. They've still got a chance in the North. We should just eliminate that one more time. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this. This makes a great case for Lamar Jackson and his you know, future contracts because I think when he does come back, we're going to see a very clear difference in what he brings for this offense, uh, you know, just all around, right? And even from the passing game. I mean, Huntley, I, I, I really thought that Huntley in some ways was a more accurate passer than Lamar a few times that he stepped on the field. But when he has to actually lead the team week to week, it's, I think it's a different story. You know, Lamar Jackson, he's, 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 he's his own agent these days. Hopefully it all works out for him mm. because Baltimore is going to need him down the road in the playoffs. Well, another good negotiating point, though, is yeah. you watch Huntley last week in the red zone where he threw the interception. They lost the ball on downs. They had the block field goal like Scott was talking about. Their offense is kind of ground to a halt. We'll see. Uh, again, Ravens and Falcons coming there on Sunday. No official play. All right, let's continue. Uh, Washington Commanders, San Francisco 49ers. Scott Kellen, give me a thought on this, where the 49ers off that clinching win last Thursday night have been off for 10 days. They clinched the NFC West. Brock Purdy still the quarterback because of the uh, the injury that uh, ousted Trey Lance for the year, the knee injury earlier in the year, Jimmy Garoppolo, the broken leg. It's Brock Purdy's team, along with the uh, the defense and the run game. They lay seven and a half, a game that's still imported for the Washington Commanders in the NFC playoff picture. And uh, we get this matchup here uh, with the uh, Commanders and the 49ers. The total is 38. Scott, a quick thought or two. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's the Brock Purdy show again, and uh, always interesting to see, you know, what he looks like. It's kind of fun to watch him and, and see him play well. 
I mentioned, uh, I don't know how many weeks ago, it was probably a month ago or so, Washington was going to Philadelphia in that Monday night game. They won that game. And I kind of brought up a stat in the Rivera, Ron Rivera era when Washington had placed a, played a team uh, 500 or above and what was deemed to be kind of an above-average team. They they were losing most of those games. And they went in and won that game by 11. So now you update the numbers. Uh, I think there's been like, I don't know, nine games or so, and they've, they've lost by an average of 13 points a game. But what they were able to do in that in that game against Philadelphia, of course, was run the ball, control the clock. I think they controlled the clock for 20 minutes more than what Philly had the ball, uh, et cetera, et cetera, and take advantage of that. I don't think they're going to be able to do that here uh, against San Francisco. They're, you know, The Washington run game isn't real strong to start with, and now they're going to face a 49er run defense that, uh, at least from the metrics that I use, has them ranked number one. So I think they're going to struggle from that standpoint. And then you know, here comes a 49ers defense that – uh, let's see, 17 or less points in seven straight games now. And I don't, you know, there doesn't seem to be any reason to think that Washington will get beyond that in this game either. So, um, you know, Washington's defense, not bad, but, uh, unless, you know, Brock Purdy turns into the rookie and, you know, other and, and instead of what we've kind of seen with him in this offense, which is fit for him, uh, just from a schematic standpoint, I, I think it's going to be tough. Having said all that though, I only got this game favored by about five points though. So, uh, there's no no real value for me in San Francisco. It's probably a little bit more in Washington. Probably a lower scoring game. This total got bet down. If it would have been about 41 or so, I probably would have taken the under in this game. But it's been bet down a little bit now, though I don't see as much value. All right, Chris Farley. I promise has not had a comment yet on this game. <laughs> I'm staying. I'm staying with us on the train here. Commanders again on the fringe of the uh, of the playoff picture in the wild card. Um, all right, thoughts here on this. Uh, because again, for San Francisco, uh, in this instance, they're still in the hunt chasing Minnesota for the two seed could, could maybe get in a conversation on a tiebreaker with the Eagles for the one seed if the Eagles start losing. But the, the significance of being the two is you're guaranteed that in the second week of the playoffs, you're playing a home game and San Francisco would want that. So they're highly motivated. Chris, any thoughts if no official play? Yeah, I think both teams are highly motivated. I mean, Washington arguably maybe a little bit more so just because their chances of making the playoffs really hinge on these last three games. It's a difficult schedule uh, even after this. So they you know, they have to consider, you know, actually try to win this this game. You know, problem for me is uh, even though I, I have this one at four and a half too, Scott, so I have this being a closer game. It's just I keep on, I mean, I'm betting against San Francisco. I'm thinking they're in tougher spots. I thought last week at Seattle would be the spot where we finally see Brock Purdy just be a little more vulnerable, look a little bit more like a rookie. But it almost doesn't even matter if he does or not because that's how good their defense is playing lately. And, you know, uh, obviously whenever you go across the country, if you're Washington, you go over to San Francisco and face that defense. It's just a really tough spot. But Washington is a team. that They have talent across their roster. Taylor Heineke is a fighter. Uh, you know, we've seen some sentimental things across social media today with the pro bowlers that they got voted in. It's really yep. cool to see there. Uh, so, you know, they're they're a growing team. I just I don't know if they're quite ready for this moment. So I can't bet on Washington and I don't want to bet against San Francisco. Better game just to sit back and watch. And what he's referring to, if you've not seen it, the Washington Commanders uh, actually put it out there. Ron Rivera telling the different players that they've made the Pro Bowl on Wednesday, telling them in person with kind of like a hidden camera in his office or a couple of hidden cameras in his office. And the one young man, I don't have the name, he's the special Thanks. team star. 
Do you have that name? I don't know if you guys have I that name. his first name. His last name is Reeves. And, and yes. he has a great story. So wh- why track. would I not remember that with my last name being Reeves? But in any event, <laughs> he's been cut by like three other teams on the final cuts of training camp. He's stuck with the commanders. He's their best special teams player. And the NFC special teams representative is him. And that's just a great moment uh, with he and Ron Rivera, where his mother has also passed away. And Rivera's got his arm around him saying, your mother would be proud. The whole, the whole thing. What that says to me is togetherness. They have togetherness in that locker room. Will they be dangerous against the 49ers? I don't know. But we'll see if they can hang in for the Commanders 49ers game again. No official hey, play for the guys. Any final thoughts, I, Scott? Yeah. I saw the comment there. Uh, Chase Young is back. I've had Chase Young. You know, I do player ratings. I've had Chase Young in there every single freaking week, and then I have to take him out. And I saw that comment. I just went, looked, and I said, yep, Chase Young will be back on Saturday. So uh, that 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 is uh, – thank you for that. That's um, an added addition. Coming off the awful knee injury a year ago and hasn't played, is he up to game speed? I mean, how can he be? He hasn't been playing. How much is he going to play in this game? We will yeah. see. And we should mention again, no Debo Samuel – which is a big deal for San Francisco. And I'll just say one more thing here, too. This is a home environment, which is good for the 49ers, et cetera. But they got out to the early lead and took the Seattle crowd out of the game. It relaxed Brock Purdy some, didn't put him under pressure. They've really done a good job of keeping him in favorable situations. Uh, when they when they beat up on the Buccaneers, they got the big lead and they primarily ran the ball. He threw it occasionally, but they primarily ran the ball after that. Let's see if Washington hangs in, can make it difficult with him. I don't know. We'll find gonna, out Saturday I'm gonna, afternoon. I'm going to say one more thing, TJ. I think it's a good point. You know, against Seattle, you know, Chris, I know you had him, but the Seattle defense is not great, right? So it was a little bit easier probably for the 49ers to do their thing. Uh, they're going to get a stiffer test. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that from the Washington defense. And against that Tampa Bay, you were there, uh, TJ. That defense was decimated in that game. I think Vita Bay got hurt in the game. The secondary was decimated. First series, so, right? You know, first series it, it's, of the it's, game. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of helpful to know, you know, what's played out there. And they are going to get a stiffer test this week, That that's for sure. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, that offense is designed to make Brock Purdy successful, and that's the beauty of that offense. But this will be a stiffer, stiffer test on defense than they've seen in a few weeks. No doubt. All right, we progress on on Christmas Eve, Saturday afternoon here on the BetUS NFL show. We've got the Eagles and the Cowboys. We know there's an injury to Jalen Hurts. And so Gardner Minshew will be the quarterback here. This is a Philadelphia team that is 13-1 through 14 games. It's the first time they've been 13-1 since they went to the Super Bowl with Donovan McNabb and Terrell Owens in 2004 with Andy Reid as the coach. Dallas, meantime, still trying to figure out how, how, how did we let that game get away against the Jacksonville Jaguars last week. Again, the Eagles are six-point underdogs in this matchup. Uh, Chris Farley, a thought here and an official play, please. Yeah, uh, a few weeks ago, I probably would have been on the opposite side of this bet, especially where the line came out. Right, Cowboys minus one, minus one and a half, expecting Jalen Hurts to play. Great revenge spot for Dallas, you would think, et cetera. But now you have a much different situation. You know, Jalen Hurts is out of this game. But I don't think that's going to be as big of a deal as the line suggests. I think plus six is actually pretty disrespectful for a Philadelphia Eagles team who might be the most talented roster in the NFL. And Gardner Minshew is probably a top five backup in the NFL as well. You know, we've seen him step in there before for other teams, for the Eagles, and play really well. And he's going to be playing for his future. He's going to be playing for a contract. A lot of pride, a lot of you know animosity be, uh, 
between these two teams as well, right? Dallas Cowboys kind of talking trash about the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. The Eagles are going to want to play really hard for Jalen Hurts in this game, who I think is more their true leader on that team. You know, Nick Sirianni is like, you know, throwing temper tantrums half the time on the sidelines. Jalen Hurts is a really important piece for that team, and I think they're going to play hard for him. You know, Eagles should still be able to run the ball in this one. We've seen Dak Prescott making some egregiously bad mistakes week after week now, and he paid for it last week against the Jaguars, setting them up in some pretty good situations. So I don't trust Dak. I don't trust the Cowboys down the stretch. We've seen it season after season. And you're giving me six points with arguably the best team in the NFL or top three at least. I'm taking it. You know, Philadelphia is uh, really, really talented. I mean, they're not going to be blown out, even though Dallas is at home. They're a good defensive team, too, as well, Scott Kellen. Thought or two here on this one. I mean, Minshew won some games in Jacksonville uh, when they went to him, uh, and he is a guy that players gravitate to as well. He's kind of a players every man quarterback kind of guy. Will there be some Minshew magic in this one? Uh, what are your What are your thoughts here, real quick? If no official play, Scott Kellen. Yeah, I'm leaning towards what Chris has. I, I've got a situation on Dallas, that, and I've got a situation on the under. But my numbers say Philadelphia and the over, so you know I know that doesn't help anybody. But uh, I, I would lean towards Philadelphia, and I would probably lean towards the over. You know, despite those situations. I said at the beginning of the year, if you took every quarterback off every team, I think Philadelphia might have the best roster in the league. And so now the question becomes, okay, the, the quarterback that they're going to put in place there, is that can that quarterback run the offense? Well, first of all, Minshew's not that bad. So I think they can. I made about a four-and-a-half-point adjustment from Hurts to Minshew. But Philly's going to bring an 11th-ranked uh, rushing offense. I know some of that's Hurts, obviously. They're going to face a Cowboy rush defense that's 23rd in the league. They should be able to run the ball. They've got big-time receivers that Minshew can hit. He's never had that before. They've got a really good defense. Uh, And I didn't have time to look this up. I remember looking this up last year when Dallas played San Francisco. And I don't even remember the framework of exactly what I looked up. But it was something to the effect of when the Cowboys uh, were a home favorite and they were playing a, a, a playoff team that is an above average team on both offense and defense, They were miserable against those types of teams. And you look back who they played this year at home. Houston, Indianapolis, the Giants, Chicago, Detroit. Um, you got to go all the way back to weeks one and two, and I know it's different back then, but Tampa Bay, they lose 19-3-2. They beat Cincinnati, kind of controlled that game, but won that game 20-17. I don't think they're running away with this game. Um, And just the, the, the last ironic part of this game is when Dallas went to Philly, it was Dallas with a backup quarterback. Dallas kind of dominated the stats in that game, and Philly got away with some uh, short fields and whatnot. And now here comes Philly with their backup quarterback. Five points to me seems like a lot of points. I don't think Dallas is that good a team against this type of team. Very interesting. And again, Gardner Minshew has got to be thrilled with A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard back healthy. If he's back in there, will he be game shape, game speed? They've got some weapons. Chris Farley loves the fly. Eagles fly in this spot here, getting a lot of points as a road dog, a 13-1 and team, getting six points on the road. Again, it's the backup quarterback. We shall see what happens in Dallas. And again, the whole country will see that game. Fox will show it nationally. There is the one holdover CBS game 
Uh, for those that didn't get an early game, they're going to see Washington and San Francisco on a different channel, on a different network. Obviously, if you have Sunday ticket, uh, the red zone, et cetera, you can see all the highlights, et cetera. But the whole country is seeing Philadelphia and Dallas. Let's see what happens. Brother Farley likes the Eagles in this matchup. I know we've been here a little while. We're going to hang, people. We're going through every game, including the Christmas Day games that are coming up. Here in a few moments, you'll get some thoughts, even if no official plays. Let's get to Christmas Eve and the game in Pittsburgh where the Steelers are two-and-a-half-point favorites over the Raiders. The total is 39 in this one. Again, the Raiders off that amazing, exhilarating, crazy finish to beat the Patriots. Meantime, great win for the Steelers to go into Carolina and get the victory last week that puts them now at 6-8, and eight, the Raiders at 6-8. and eight. Do not laugh, kids, audience. The winner of this game has seven wins and is alive in the AFC playoff picture, whoever wins it. And Chris and Scott, I know we want to uh, give our uh, comments and thoughts on the passing of Franco Harris unexpectedly this week. Uh, just uh, awful set of circumstances that they had intended to not only honor the 1972 Steelers, the immaculate reception, they were going to retire Franco Harris's jersey at halftime. My understanding, they're still going to go through with part or all of the ceremony, but Franco unexpectedly died earlier in the week. Uh, nobody really knew that he had been sick, 72 years of age, and, and this is the 50th anniversary of that Immaculate Reception game. Friday night, Friday is the 50th anniversary, December 23rd, 1972. Now the Raiders and Steelers, by design, are playing the next night on Christmas Eve. So that's the backdrop. Will that motivate Pittsburgh? Will it will it uh, deflate them some that he's not there? Both of you guys are on this game. Scott Kellen, go ahead with an official play here on Steelers and Raiders. Yeah, and, and last thing, uh, what was crazy, he did an a interview with Mad Dog Russo the night before, well, basically the night that he passed away, which is just just unfortunate. Right. Um, you know, and, and, I, and one last thing, the retiring his number, I don't know if there's something about the Steelers uh, that they don't retire a lot of numbers because it, it was kind of just befuddled me that, his number was never retired, but well, right, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know. um, so I'm on the Raiders here in a teaser, the second part of the two-team teaser that we did earlier uh, with Carolina. Look, this is uh, it, it's it's for me. It's really uh, first of all, Pittsburgh's going to go with Kenny Pickett. Numbers wise, I think Trubisky's actually been. I know he's been better this year. Numbers wise, he just has been. But I, you know, it's the right move. I mean, Pickett is their future, and that's that's where they've got to go. And they're not that far different, so it's not like. There's a huge step down in class here. Um, but look, the Raiders have not been good this year, but they're not a horrible team. And they've only lost one game by, I think, more than seven or eight points this year. And I'll flip it around to the Steelers. Steelers haven't been awful this year either, but they've only won one game by more than seven points. We've got a very low total. Uh, there's probably going to be some wind here. Raiders can run the ball a little bit. Uh, and I think they will be able to shorten the game a little bit here. They've got their players back from last week. Are some questions on the offensive line for the Raiders that always would concern me a little bit. Um, but I think they're, they're good enough to keep this game close uh, and stay within the teaser. And we're just doing the classic long teaser here across the three, across the seven. Take the eight and a half. I show a little bit of value with the Raiders. So I'll use it. I think it's better used than a teaser because I, I just can't trust the Raiders to not lose by three or four or Six or seven, for that matter. So I think the teaser is the best play for me in this game. 
All right, Darren Waller back, making a difference for them. And the Raiders have already gone on the road and won at Seattle in the wild overtime game. They've demonstrated at least recently that they can be competitive on the road. Chris, what do you make of this? What do you want to say about the Franco Harris stuff? Will will they play off of that emotion? Will there be a pall over all of this because they intended to have such a uplifting weekend and ceremony, and now it's not happening the way that they would have wanted it to? Thoughts on Steelers, Raiders, and an official play, please. Yeah, one of our audience members just said I wouldn't touch this game. Maybe Scott and I can change your mind because I like I like I like Scott's play, and I think that I mean, and I like my play too. I'm going to play on the Steelers minus two and a half, and I think both could very easily hit. Um, we played on angles like this last year in Circa. It did work for us. I remember when John Madden passed away, and we played on the Raiders after that. That was a big time motivational point for the Raiders. I think it's going to be a big time motivational point for the Steelers on Sunday as well. I'm not convinced that the Steelers don't win four games in a row if Kenny Pickett doesn't get injured in that game against the Ravens. They've won three out of their last four games. Their defense is really limiting every offense. I mean, we're talking about 17 points against the Colts. Okay, it's the Colts. Uh, But limiting the Ravens to 16, Panthers to 16, and uh, what's the other one I'm missing? Uh, The Falcons to 16 as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, week after week, the Steelers' defense looks like the unit that we're used to. I think a lot of that is T.J. Watt. I have to love that Kenny Pickett is coming back. I mean, they looked good last week with Mitch Trubisky. I think yeah. they coached him up after his terrible performance the week prior. So, um, you know, the Steelers are one of these teams. This would not surprise me at all if uh, Mike Tomlin, you know, finishes above 500 again or at least gets close to it. You know, it's really, it's really feisty at the end. It's just what the Steelers do. They're playing better football. They will be motivated at home. And this is a little bit of a revenge spot, too. Remember, the Raiders went into Pittsburgh last year and Derek Carr torched that Steelers defense at a time where the Steelers defense was playing really well. So I don't think the Steelers defense forgets that. I think this is a point of emphasis for them, giving me under a field goal. I think the Steelers could, you know, at least really dominate at first, and then I could see the Raiders kind of clawing back into it. So I like both of our bets in this one. Maybe you take it as a hedge. All right. Uh, Good enough. And again, I've made mention of this. I don't know if you guys have ever been in the Pittsburgh airport, but when you go into the airport and you're going down towards baggage, et cetera, the huge statue, the lifelike statue of Franco Harris making the immaculate reception is there in the airport. It greets you when you arrive in Pittsburgh. It's that big a deal 50 years later that they're talking about this with the rematch of the Raiders, the team they beat, and that great play. Let's see what it means for the Steelers. And again, it is worth repeating. Whoever wins as bad a start as the Raiders had, whoever wins this game, bad a start as the Steelers had, has seven wins. You're alive in the AFC playoff picture with two weeks to go. You're going to have to have probably some other help. But at 7-8, and eight, you would be alive with two left. All right, both guys on it. Again, the back half of the two-team tees from Scott Kellen. And Chris is on the side with the Steelers. Let's get to Christmas Day. There are three games to be played on Christmas Day for the first time ever in the NFL. The first one up will be in South Florida with the Packers and the Dolphins. The Dolphins lay four here with a total of 49.5. Packers off a short week Monday night win at home. Dolphins lost last Saturday night in Buffalo. Dolphins suddenly have lost three games in a row in this one. Both handicappers on this game. Chris Farley to you for the official play to start it off. Right after the presents are opened and uh, some food is consumed in the Eastern and Central time zone, here come the Dolphins and the Packers playing Sunday, 1 Eastern time. Uh, An official play, please. 
Yeah, it's a scary play, but also a play that I really like. I'm going to go with Scott's Packers here. They didn't make the playoffs because they started off this year so hot. But they're being exposed a little bit here, right? Against a great defense like San Francisco. Against a defense that at least played well in the Chargers. And last week, they looked a lot better against the Bills. But this Packers team, I think, is set up to match up really well against Miami. They still have a secondary, a backfield on defense that is set up to stop the best passing games in the NFL. I think they can play some tight man-to-man, and you can't hold back Jalen Waddell and Tua for the entire game. We see them get loose even in those games that they lost against San Francisco. But if you can hold them back for most of the game, I think the Packers could have a chance here to really sustain a run game. Miami has a good run defense. But this isn't a game where the Packers should be tired out or anything like that. It's going to be 60 degrees or so. It's not going to be like a like 110-degree sideline there right. in Miami like we've seen before. And Miami's coming back home after three straight games on the road. It's a holiday week. you know. I, I, I know they're motivated, but this is a new team. It's a young team. The coach is young. The quarterback is young. Their players are young on offense. The Packers have been here before. And you heard Aaron Rodgers at the end of that Monday Night Football game he sounds like he's having fun again. He's joking around about his wide receivers. There's some chemistry building there. I think the Packers are a dangerous team right now. I wouldn't want to face them if I were a team trying to get into the playoffs. And there is a chance that Scott's Green Bay Packers does make the playoffs still. And let me tell you, if the Packers somehow make the playoffs, that is a team that nobody's going to want to face because they've been here before. They have all their leadership in line. I just think the Packers are going to, are going to give it their all in this matchup, and it's a close game. So, again, you're giving me over a field goal. I have this at two. Give me the Packers plus four. All right, interesting. There's a lot of debate in the chat. We're seeing some of that here at the bottom uh, on the show about Green Bay and Miami. Scott Kellen, I know you have thoughts on this, and you have an official play as well on the game that starts the Christmas Day triple header. Yeah, I'm going to go over the points here, um, over 49 and a half, or it's, it's, I've, I'm seeing 50 in some places now. I've got it at, at about 52, 52 and a half points. We might get Bakhtiari back in this game as well, which would be great for them. But I mentioned this last week, and obviously they had a more favorable matchup against a depleted Rams team. But this Packer offense is jelly now. Christian Watson is, is really uh, kind of coming to his own. And Rodgers is getting a little bit reju- rejuvenated, I think, through all this as well. They had the bye a couple weeks ago. I think his thumb is in a, in a better spot here as well. And I mentioned this last week, and, you know, we, we kind of saw some. Now they still make mistakes, which kind of bogged down their offense. But um, they've in the last five games, which is kind of where Christian Watson got healthy and kind of broke out a little bit, they have now scored 28 points or more in three of those five. Last week, 24. They could have went in for another touchdown at the end. They took a knee at the end. Um, and so they're probably getting to 24, maybe 27 points this game. They've, they've got their whole uh, line of receivers now healthy. Last week was really the first time they'd had all those back as well. And they're playing a Miami defense that's not that great. And at the same time, uh, Miami's going to get their points as well, I believe, in this game. Packers against any of the above-average offenses that they've played this year, they've given up 23 or more. So both these teams, in my mind, can get to 24, 27 points. You want to get it under 51 for sure. That's a very key number. But I'd I'd be really hard-pressed to believe that these two teams can't total up to 51 or more. As far as the side, I've got a situation on Miami. It goes against Green Bay, so I'm not on it. But I make the number only about one. So I, you know, I'm with you on that, Chris. I'm showing value on Green Bay as well. I'm just, I'm not going to play it because of the situation. It's just how I do that. But um, I like the over, uh, and I think Green Bay can. I think it was Mark said Green Bay can control this game. 
they can run the ball a little bit. They can control things a little bit. Um, they'll be in this game, I believe. All right, fair enough. Both handicappers on this one. Chris Farley says, go pack, go with the points. And Scott Kellen has the over 49 and a half in the Christmas Day game. You know, uh, we'll make reference to this. One of the most famous games in the NFL uh, postseason was a Christmas Day Don Shula Miami Dolphin overtime win over the Kansas City Chiefs. That was a Christmas Day game where the NFL played on Christmas Day. Now they got a triple header on Christmas Day in the regular season, and the Dolphins are involved here with the Green Bay Packers. All right, three games to go. Almost good here. By the way, if you've been hanging out and you haven't hit the like button, do that already. Make sure you hit like. Make sure you hit subscribe. We're here Thursdays, 1 Eastern time. we got one show left to do in the calendar year. It's next Thursday before New Year's uh, weekend. We will be here the following Thursday for the regular season end and the playoffs. Thursdays at 1. Be with us on the BetUS NFL show. All right. Out of all the games that might have some playoff implication or redeeming value, we then have the Denver Broncos and the L.A. Rams on Christmas afternoon. Oh, this looked so good, didn't it, in the offseason? The defending champion Rams, Russell Wilson and the Broncos. Instead, we have what we have. We have Denver favored by two and a half. Russell Wilson looks like he has cleared concussion protocol and may be able to come back and play in this game. Baker Mayfield, now your Rams quarterback. Total 36 and a half. We don't have an official play. So, guys, we'll quickly go through some, some thoughts because we've been here for a while. Give me a quick thought or two. Scott Kellen, real quick on uh, anything with Broncos or Rams stand out? Yeah, I'll just say this. The uh, Rams have now played six games without Goff or Stafford at quarterback. They've averaged uh, 14 points in those games. Uh, the Broncos have played four bottom offenses, which the Rams is right, are right now. They've given up about 15 points a game. So, you know, you, you get the Rams 14, 15, 16 points uh, in this game. You might say, hey, that's enough to beat this Denver offense. Russell Wilson is back. Uh, but... Um, a, Denver's offense has been a little bit better the last couple of weeks. But also the Rams' defense has now given up, uh, I think it's like 26 or more points in four of the last five games just because of all the injuries, especially if Aaron Donald's not back. They've given up a lot of rushing yards the last couple of weeks. So uh, a slight lean to Denver here just because the Rams, it's just a broken team right now. Uh, they're, I mean, it's, it's basically us three out there playing for them in some spots. And uh, So as, as hard as it is to lay points at Denver – I would lean that way if I did anything, but no play for me. No Stafford, no Cooper Cup, no Aaron Donald. Running back situation's a mess. I see you shaking your head, Chris, here on this. Meantime, Denver won last week against Arizona for what it's worth at home, so they maybe have a little momentum. What, if anything, here on, on a Christmas afternoon? Uh, give me something, and then we'll move on. Well, I'm messaging the Bay U.S. front management now and seeing if I can get a pay raise talking about this game here, guys. I mean, this is uh, uh, this is bad. This is bad stuff. Um, I'll tell you what. If you're going to put on a Christmas movie, wait until four o'clock. You can. There you go. This is a good. This is a good spot to do it. I'll say this in all seriousness: is it, it's an important game, I think, for Russell Wilson to at least come out, look good, you know, play play solid football. Don't turn the ball over. I mean, you are going into L.A. It's still a proud defense over there. They still got some guys that can make things happen, and that's how they've been hanging in these games. Maybe you look at the under in this game because of that, but it's probably a great game to not bet, to not watch. There's just every unit on the field you can't trust, right? I mean, the Denver defense, okay, that's probably a unit you can trust mostly game to game, but how motivated are they going to continue to be week to week, and now they're on the road? So it, it, it's really tough in, in, in every single way. Um, you couldn't. 
You couldn't pay me to bet this game, TJ. I'm not doing it. I want to know what Liam would do with his ex-wife's money on this one. He said yeah, he wouldn't bet right. on the other one. Liam so. keeps making reference to the ex-wife's money. and uh, Okay, I don't know what he would do uh, on this one, that's for sure. So no play from the guys here on this one again. When the NFL laid out the schedule at the beginning of, uh, of May uh, after the draft, they would have thought this is a huge marquee game with a ton of interest. Yes, there will be people that will watch, but, I mean, you've got five and – uh, four and ten against four and ten in this matchup. So not much there on that one. We will move on. So that gets us to the game that I will be uh, as part of the radio broadcast uh, locally for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. On we got to wait all the way till Sunday night of Christmas night for Buccaneers and the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals without Kyler Murray with a torn ACL. The Cardinals now without Colt McCoy with a concussion. Hello, Trace McSorley. And what is it about third-string and or rookie quarterbacks going against the Buccaneers? It's now Trace McSorley against Tom Brady and company. The Buccaneer line has soared to nine on the BetUS line with the McSorley news. The total is 40-and-a-half. There is not an official play here. Chris Farley, I am back to you. The Buccaneers lead the NFC South race by a game. A win here by all the probabilities enhances their chance to win the division to like 75% or greater if they can win. They are very much motivated. Arizona very much in disarray. Thoughts real quick if no official play. Yeah, and you said it um, earlier, TJ. I mean, credit to the Bengals last week, but... You know, I mean, the Bucks turned it over four times, right? Brady fumbled it, he threw interceptions. And that, you know, it's certainly something to think about. I mean, Brady, you know, we said it on this show for weeks now, doesn't quite look like himself. Um, that being said, this you got to win this game. I mean, you just, you have to go in there and play an impressive game at Arizona, who they have no home field advantage whatsoever. They play terrible at home, much better road team for whatever reason. And you got Trace McSorley, who's who's much closer to like a Tim Tebow type of prospect, right? He can hurt you a little bit on the ground, I guess, as that fighter mentality. But he's not going to throw the ball downfield. You you know you can really uh, play press man coverage uh, if you're the Bucks defense. So it's a great setup for them. The Cardinals do have a decent uh, rushing defense, and you know I know the Bucks are probably going to try to establish that in this game. But if the Cardinals never have the ball and the Bucks always have the ball, which is probably what's going to happen in this game, they should be able to break down that defense eventually. You know, a Cardinals defense, a Cardinals team that's not playing with a lot to be motivated for. That was probably a knockout of the part. You know, they probably thought that was going to be a great show to have hard knocks on the Cardinals as well. That's right. not adding up to much over there on that end either. Um, so, you know, I think, t- I think Tampa Bay makes a, a, a good teaser leg in this one, and that's really the only way that I would look at this game. Scott Kellen, uh, to Chris's point, since the middle of last year, Arizona 1-12 straight up at home. They have lost 12 of 13 games at home, and now they host the Buccaneers. Any thoughts here if no official play on the Christmas night game? Uh, you know, where I was leading, obviously at 9 you can't do it, but uh, unless you want to do a 6.5-point teaser, was potentially a teaser. I don't know, you know, Arizona, this offense is horrible. Now you're on the third string. Um you know, when they played elite defenses this year, Arizona's played five of them, 12 points against the Rams, 17 against Philly, 10 against the 49ers, 13 against New England, 15 against Denver. They did score 27 against the Rams, but 10 came on fluky stuff. So it's really about 17. I don't know how they're going to get more than 17. So um, you just would hope Tampa Bay against this Arizona team and their, and their secondary was devastated last week with injuries. I don't know how much of that's coming back, if any of it, this week. They've got some injuries on the offensive line they've had all year. 
you'd sure in heck hope Tampa Bay can get the 21, 24 points in this game. against. Mm-hmm. This is not a good Cardinals defense. But then I look at Tampa Bay, I mean, since week three, you know, they haven't beat anyone by more than like five points or six points or something, right? So they can't separate themselves, and that takes you back to the teaser. If I did anything, it would be the teaser in this game. But I want to confirm some injuries first um, before I make any moves there. And again, that's a good point that you make because the Buccaneers have injuries. They have Vita Vea still doubtful to play in this game off the defensive line. He's a big deal. Donovan Smith, the left tackle, is injured. Can he play in the game? you got to watch the injury stuff. And again, I can I can share this with the audience. We are headed out to the Arizona desert on Friday because of the time change. Friday night, we're spending Christmas Eve watching all the other teams play, having some Christmas Eve food, go to a Christmas Eve service if you want. Then you're sitting around all day if you're the Buccaneers waiting to play the game on Sunday night. Will they be with it? Will they be stale? Will Brady have them focused? All these are unknowns. It's a wild situation. Buccaneers have never played on Christmas Day uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens because, again, the division hangs in the balance here uh, for these final three weeks, and this is a great opportunity for the Bucks to get a road win. We'll see what happens. No official play from the guys on that one. One game to go. It's been a long show. It's a Monday night game. It's the Chargers who are still on the fringe of the AFC playoff picture playing at Indianapolis. What did we do to keep having the Indianapolis Colts in standalone games, just like the Denver Broncos? Uh, this game, Monday night in Indy, with the Chargers at this stage very much alive in the AFC playoff picture at 8-6, and six, the Colts are going to go to Nick Foles in this game uh, because of injury and, and ineffective play by Matt Ryan once again. All right, guys, no official play. Scott Kellen, I'm going to come right back to you real quick for a thought or two before we are done. Uh, yeah, first of all, the Chargers may get Derwin James back, which would be nice uh, as their safety, a very good safety for him. Um it, for me, it's just hard to lay points with the Chargers on the road. Uh, you know, the Colts are a mess, but again, asking the Chargers to win anything by margin is difficult. They've won one game this year by more than six points. That was by 10 points at one win Houston. Um, and, you know, they're playing better. We're seeing a little better effort out of their defense uh, and, and all that. But uh, Colts still have a pretty good defense that, you know, kind of keep them in a the game. And, the Chargers just seem to keep teams in games, right? And so it's just – and now they're going to face a good defense. Nick Foles, he's okay, right? I mean, you know, he can't be any worse than Matt Ryan was. So I, I do show value on the Chargers here, um, but I just don't know if I'm comfortable laying points with them because their history is just – they just don't win by a lot of margin. So no play for me, some value on the Chargers, but I'm not on the game. All right, again, if I didn't say it, the Chargers are laying the four and a half. The total is 45 and a half. Chris Farley, is there a carryover effect? Everybody wants to know. You blow a 33 to nothing lead like they did in Minnesota. I know when we get all the way to Monday, that will have been 12 days earlier. But still, will that have a carryover effect? And plus, they're going musical chairs at quarterback again, the Colts. Any quick thought here? Yeah, I think it has to, right? It just feels like a locker room that probably is trying to find something to be positive about or, you know, something to look forward to. I mean, when you go up 33 nothing on a team, which is, uh, you know, you thought no one else has ever come back from that kind of deficit, you, you, you probably expect to win that game. I, I still regret not placing a live bet on Minnesota because it did have all the ingredients you know, for a comeback with everything fluky that happened. But here we are, really tough to know what they're going to bring to the table this week. Nick Foles, he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. I mean, he can, he can step in and he can do some things for the Colts, right? And this Colts team week to week, at least at first, we see they play really hard. They show some discipline, and then maybe things kind of break out 
when they face a better team. And the Char- Chargers are definitely a better team. It's been impressive how they put themselves in a great spot. They are very, very likely to make the playoffs. I think it's like 90% at this point or something. Uh, and they've been playing some much better defense. We saw what they did to the Miami Dolphins, really limiting them there. They held the Titans to 284 yards last week in a, in a, in a really important game for Tennessee. Um, so, you know, if they keep on bringing that, this is a very dangerous Chargers team as well. I just don't trust Brandon Staley as a coach week to week. You know, I have to see more consistency over a long period of time and a tougher road spot for them as well. You know, it, it's the kind of game where you wouldn't be surprised at all if, like, the Colts just won straight up and all of a sudden, you know, the Chargers kind of dropped the ball a little bit. So no bet on this one either. Is it me or does this game feel like it's forever from now? I, I got eggnog to drink before then. <laughs> I got a lot to do, guys. There will there will be a lot of last-minute shopping, present opening, food consumed, football watched, and then we will have this on Monday night for the Chargers and the Colts. And to the point, the Colts in their last five games have been on Monday night football, Sunday night football, a Saturday standalone, and they're back on Monday night football. Again, E. All right, so that is the game for Monday. Chargers, again, very much alive in the AFC playoff picture. No official play from the guys. And guys, guess what? That is it. That's a full show. It was a long show today. Hey, it's extra for the holidays. Something in the stocking. Something under the tree. We gave you a bunch. And let's recap it if you joined us late. Uh, what the guys have for their best bets and for their official plays. You will see it on the screen. I won't go over all of it. Scott, again, has got a two-team tease, as you can see, with Carolina and the Raiders. He's also on a side and has an overtotal. Lots of sides for Chris, uh, including some underdog sides that he likes, four of them, as you see in the best bets. Guys, thank you. We, we put a lot into this show before the Christmas weekend. Again, we have a Thursday night game as we're doing this live. Then we have a barrage of games on Christmas Eve afternoon, Saturday. Three of them on Sunday, one more to close on Monday night. Let's see how it all plays out. Scott Kellen, a final thought before we're gone. Hey, just uh, Merry Christmas to everyone. We appreciate everyone coming on here. The comments are great. Makes it fun for us to come on and uh, hope everyone just has a you know, great Christmas and, and we'll be back at it next week again. Love it. Well said. Chris Farley, final thoughts? Yeah, two quick things. I think this is the most picks I've ever had on the show. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Hopefully that works <laughs> out. Uh, and secondly, just a little perspective. Um, highly encourage everyone to watch the uh, Netflix special Letterman was interviewing President Zelensky of Ukraine. And, you know, that's a country that's fighting for their freedom every single day. They're willing to that's go right. without water, electricity, everything. You know, it's the holidays. Spend time with your family. Be grateful for what we have. And enjoy football. What a gift. that We get football all weekend. We're in a Amen. pretty good spot here, guys. Yes, be with the family. Get some food. Uh, understand what the reason for the season is. Those that celebrate, uh, happy Hanukkah. Happy uh, Kwanzaa, Merry Christmas, Festivus for the rest of us. I think we covered it all uh, there uh, on that. Uh, guys, great job. Chris, thank you. Scott, great job. Thank you. We'll see you guys one more time here before the new year. That's next Thursday. Thanks to Alejandro, everybody behind the scenes at BetUS. Guys and gals, have a great Christmas weekend, and thank you for watching the BetUS NFL show.